Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive, and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website playerprofiler.com to keep the engine running. Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us. Hi, everybody. Mike Shope, Adam Krautwurst, The Deep End, June 20th, 2023. With us today for a chat, Pat Corain, winner of Best Ball Mania 3, the man behind the new site, legendaryupside.com. Adam and I were just chatting the other day, and we found we, we, Pat's name came up, and we thought, here's a guy who's a little bit underexposed. So <laughs> we decided to – who's laughing, by the way? We, the Deep End has launched – well, two careers, Adams and mine. <laughs> We're happy to have Pat. Really excited to talk about last season, the incredible and life-changing for Pat. Week 17, last year with Best Ball Mania 3 coming down to the end. We'll discuss the booming best ball scene and talk about life in the fantasy football industry. Mike Shope, Adam Krautwurst, powered by the Player Profiler Network. Thanks for watching on YouTube, listening, Spotify, iTunes. We'll get into things with Pat Coray next. This is The Deep End. You know, Pat, first thing, so Pete Overzet has been on with us twice. Ben Gretsch did WGR with me uh, after we got back from Vegas. Mike Leone's been on both. Why have you been ducking us, really? What so, is the answer to that so far? I was looking, yeah, I was seeing uh, if I'd missed an invite, but uh, nothing came up in my search, so. <laughs> so coy. Oh, so coy he is. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's great to have Pat on. Pat, listen, Pat and I go way back. Okay, I mean, we go back to the days where Pat was handing out Rotovis T-shirts at the ballroom in Vegas, and I'm putting stickers on the board. Uh, and here we are, Pat's winning big tournaments, and I'm should be probably still putting stickers on on the board. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, hopefully well, you'll get there, man. <laughs> well, what what this idea really was, Pat, is I mean. You're, you're well known in the industry already, and then for that win. But I haven't. Maybe I have missed one, but I haven't heard you really talk about the week that much. I did go back and watch the streams from the Sunday in Week 17, and then the Monday night, which we'll get to. Am I right that I know you know the date, and that sort of came out that afternoon, that Sunday afternoon, when you drafted your team? What else do you know, if anything, about when you drafted it? Or I know the date again, but where you were, or just does, is any is there any anything about that that you know is a part of the story that you remember? So it was during a period of the summer where I was working on research for an article that I ended up posting on Roto World, <clears throat> you know, a few weeks after, um, and I was kind of in the weeds on this theory at the time that you know you kind of pair together some of these structural strategies, um, and one of the ones that I was like attempting to kind of experiment pairing together was running back running back starts with three quarterback builds which is what this team was um thinking that kind of the way the pockets of the draft were lining up um because in a running back running back start you wouldn't need to attack rounds you know nine through 13 let's say where it had been a really good pocket of the draft for running backs but that's also a pretty good pocket of the draft for quarterbacks so i was kind of thinking okay maybe i can so i know i was experimenting with that and that's how you know I, I was probably more likely to draft one of these types of teams specifically as to the day exactly i know that i was also doing a podcast that night with jacob sanderson and i'm pretty sure i drafted this team in preparation for that podcast in a sense of kind of like you know let me let me you know make sure i'm my takes are fresh so i think uh you know hat to, to jacob because i think i may have uh, drafted that team, gotten in that specific lobby, um, you know, with that with that podcast approaching. I did obviously have to check. I do a lot of podcasts, so I was like, I'm I'm hoping this is a solo bullet here. <laughs> it, it was, in fact. Uh, I uh, we drafted a team, a team on stream when I when I uh, did the podcast with Jacob, but it was uh, it was on his account. Well, um, you drafted, I mean, 150 teams, so that certainly could have been the case. I know the guys that day on the live streams, week 17, they were joking with you about it. So 
you have the one team in the finals and, you know, fantasy players, those of us who are playing high volume, you know, you get to playoffs and there's certain ones you're focused on, whether it's the main event, wherever you, you think you might have the, you know, best chance, right, to make real money. Was this team for you, your focus, like that morning? Do you remember thinking, like, you've got that one? There was the Thursday night game that had been played already. How much of your attention were you paying to that one underdog team before games kicked off on Sunday? Not much. And, and in fact, it wasn't even my focus. Like, the previous week, I had um, a a DraftKings team that was in one of the tournaments. It was like a 20 or $25 entry fee that paid 50k up top but it was a much smaller final i think it was 20 20 people in the final and um that team was a hertz team but it almost got in anyway and then i was you know gonna have the sweat of okay maybe hertz plays obviously he, he didn't play so but like if you had just like let me pick i would have picked the dk team because you know the chances of finishing first out of 20 is so much higher than finishing first out of 470 even though the payout was quite a bit smaller um, and I just thought that was a stronger team. Like when I went and reviewed, um, the team that won, I remember, I don't think it was actually on stream. I, I went to try to find it, but I was on with Liam Murphy. And I think after the stream ended, I, I pulled up the team that I had, we were kind of looking at it. And the thing you could say about it was that I knew what needed to happen, but all the things that I needed to happen, like Tom Brady having a huge game seemed like very implausible. Um, and it's one out of 470. So I just kind of like, well, at least this has a path, but you know, the odds of this path materializing are pretty low. Um, I did play a little bit less DFS, uh, week 17. Cause I had this sweat kind of built in, but, um, I was kind of like, I'm not gonna really start feeling like this team has any kind of chance until like some stuff kind of bubbles up. Like if a few of these games go the way I need them to go, then okay, I'll start, I'll start paying attention. But pretty quickly, the team did start to kind of make some noise. Um, and yeah, once, once, um, you know, Brady's going off and everything's kind of, kind of kicking off that way. I was in kind of the, the teens for a, for a long time, like, you know, 11th, 19th, drop to the 20s for a minute and then come back up into the teens again. So, um, it was hard not to start like paying attention to it like pretty quickly because uh you know when when you're like 15th in basketball mania it's you you you're gonna you're gonna sweat it i remember liking carolina in that game at tampa i'm not a guy who usually sort of has strong takes on who's going to win games but i really like carolina that day they got a 14 nothing which you may remember like carolina and dj moore got in the end zone for one of those touchdowns like once that yep. started, you know, game script is uh, right at them. I mean, you you want to see a game script that looks favorable like that, at least in terms of that game, happen for you. Yeah, for sure. Now, do you, Pat, do you normally, like, I know it's a lot of, like, obviously this, you're following all the scores, but I'm the type of guy, Mike hates this, that I just, I don't look at my scores ever. Like, I do season long. And so, like, hey, I'm going to, you know, there's nothing much I can really do. Obviously, in, like, DFS, you want to change your lineups and stuff during during the day, but... Um, is it different for you to kind of lock into the scores during the day and follow that stuff? Because for me, it would be like so weird because I'm normally just, hey, let me, I'll look Sunday night. And, you know, I can't, I can't change anything. Uh, let's just see, see what happens. Yeah, I, I'm not like that. Um, Pete Overzet's like that. So we've, we've co-managed teams for years and he never wants to know what's going on. <laughs> so I'm just like, I, all right. But I'm, I'm like checking everything. I mean, to me, that's like part of the, I mean, I have red zone on. And so yeah. I don't want something to be spoiling it before I see it. Right. Right. So I'm not like glued to my phone with stuff, but I have a general sense of like, you know, how many fantasy points people are scoring throughout the day on any given Sunday. Like that's kind of my, my process, I guess, um, or just like my habit for watching these games. So that was not um, really any different. It was just a lot more high stakes in terms of what happened. And yeah, I don't hate Adam's process there. I just couldn't, I don't think I could do it. Like I, I'm often in the, in the radio studio for the Bills post-game show and I'll have the TV on if they're on the road with the sound up TV broadcast. The guys next to me in the control room are listening to the radio broadcast because they're putting it on the air. 
and there is a delay. So a big play, I will see two or three guys in there watching the game together reacting, and I don't even know what it is yet. I mean, I want to know. I want to know first. <laughs> if, if I have all the you know the game cast or whatever it is up, I want it, and the play actually comes on the screen five seconds later. I want the game cast. I want to. I want to know before for anybody. So on those. So Sunday starts to play out and it's going your way, and then you guys all jump on Sunday afternoon. I wonder in terms of that, and also even Monday night, Pat. I mean. I think it's really cool that you did that. I wonder if you thought through like whether you wanted to or you felt a responsibility to be, you know, sort of available to Pete and the ship chasing show Sunday and Monday when you had the lead, because, you know, especially Monday, you knew your odds weren't so great, but, you know, you, you, you put yourself out there. Here I am. We'll see what happens. I think it was, it was great for those of us watching to have you do that. I wonder if you sort of went back and forth on it or you maybe felt like a responsibility to be there for this. Well, I mean, for the the original stream that we did Sunday afternoon, there wasn't all that much thought that went into it. I mean, it was like, um, you know, things are starting to to happen. And then there was this period where Eckler scored a touchdown and Kittle scored a touchdown. Um, and all of a sudden I was like, I think I was in second. Um, and that was when I was like, all right, this is real. I remember telling my girlfriend i was like i'm running hot <laughs> and she's like what's wrong with you <laughs> i just like couldn't i couldn't even like explain what was going on um she was you know she's she's kind of been um there's a little bit of a boy crowd wolf element with this with dfs where you know i've i've had a couple sweats that never really materialized into anything in, in the red zone I, i've won some small field uh two small field gpps in my time um but there's also been those were for 10k each there's been stuff where i was like live to win the red zone or you know stuff that pays out like more like 50k or 100k in the spy or whatever um and those sweats are like you know quickly fizzled but I, but not before i told her about them so i think with this one <laughs> i then had to explain like okay what's happening is like amazing but like a lot needs to happen from here and then Eckler kind of promptly ran for that long touchdown, which was, you know, I'm screaming and Pete's messaging me like, all right, we got to go live. We got to jump on ship chasing. So uh, that just seemed kind of like a no brainer to jump on. And um, pretty much as soon as as soon as we started the stream, like nothing else good happened for my team. Yeah. But that but that Eckler touchdown, it put me in first. Um, and that was the only way that I could get to first because. Uh, there was a guy in front of me that had a lot of the same players that I had, like Tyler Lockett. And so the only way that I could get past him was a huge play from Eckler. So uh, at that point, then it was just kind of anti-sweating Devontae Adams, who was pretty, uh, pretty popular in the final and was was having a, a really good game. Uh, George Kittle almost had a couple big plays who was on my team, uh, which would have made things a little bit a little bit easier. There was a missed throw. Yeah, there's a missed throw. That, that's what's funny. Like, that's a long stream you do. And then Monday night's the same, too, where you hear you are winning in the process of winning this thing, but there's no, like, moment on the show. They, it, it had just happened, right? The, the Eckler run and Kittle, yep. like you're saying, it had just happened before you started. So you don't have this moment where everybody's going crazy on the stream. No, we didn't. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was, so it was kind of a low-key stream in a sense. I mean, it was yeah. all – it was just basically, like, I hope this doesn't – doesn't go bad but the other thing is that you know i'm in first place of this tournament at the time and it's sunday afternoon and i don't have anyone live after the four o'clock games end and like lockett was clearly not going to have a good game you know he was not he needed to you know the way best ball works right he needs to have a better game than the last guy to hit my lineup so he didn't end up even hitting my lineup so you know any kind of random points he has are irrelevant because he's not going to clear the bar that needs to, to hit the lineup anyway. And then Kittle. Yeah. I mean, anything that Kittle would have done would have been big, but um, there wasn't really much to, to report there. So we were kind of just, you know, it wasn't like, I would say it didn't have the vibe of like, okay, is this like any minute now, you know, this could, cause there's two more games to go. So, um, it, but then yeah, that night, that night, another podcast I did, I hosted, um, at the time I was hosting the 
the Roto World Recap Show, where all the uh, other blurbers <laughs> would come on and talk to me about their games. But that's during the Sunday night game. So I actually didn't really watch that game. Uh, I saw the Isaiah Likely touchdown, which uh, was not good for me because there was a team that had Isaiah Likely. And essentially at that point, if he had scored another touchdown, that team would have passed me. Um, and he scored it so early that I was like, oh, I mean, it, it, it's like there were other teams too. It wasn't just the Isaiah Likely team. So, but it's like, man, now I have this Likely team that's really live. Um, and that came down to like that final uh, touchdown to Najee Harris. If that had gone to like two other players, I would have, I would have been passed. So that one, I just, I'm like, I just didn't watch that one because I was like, <laughs> I'm working, I'm doing stuff, you know, and I could, it's just like the Steelers Ravens, like slog. Like, I just, I just don't know. I think it would have been like bad for my heart, you know? <laughs> Every Steelers Ravens game ever has been 16 15, and just like <laughs> yeah. a couple of years, and then last year's were both right around there. Isaiah likely was quite a pick in Best Ball Mania 3, I guess. That, that would have been interesting. You know, he wasn't uh, so much on the radar. Does he have legendary upside, Pat? Isaiah likely? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess, I guess if Andrews goes down, but, but not in the <laughs> traditional sense. <laughs> what about you, Adam? When you finish fifth in the main, like, were you. You said how you don't really like to watch. Were you the same way that day, or were you into it? Well, it was funny. So when I came in fifth place in the fifth place main event a couple of years ago, it was like, no, I was in like 25th or something going in. And I, I was with my kids at the movies, like at 4 o'clock. Like, oh, let's go see Frozen or whatever. Like I was, you know, out of it. And they're like, oh, let me throw on Red Zone. And it was, you know, Tyler Board touchdown, another touchdown, goes to overtime, Gasicki scores. It was it was madness i'm like let me just go check i'm like oh my god i'm in third i'm in third place now i'm like glued to red zone the kids are watching a movie i'm <laughs> like the theater yes yeah the theater losing my mind texting my buddy um but uh that was fun but then that was the story but you know then you got to figure out who you got to fade who you got all that stuff but yeah i mean those stories it's it's about the sweat man it's about the it's, a, it's about the ride you get in there and enjoying all, all that stuff because i know and that's another reason why it's tough for me to look at scores too because in the FFPC playoff challenge, when I came in 10th last year, uh, you know, I'm sitting in 10th and I'm like, do I even want to look at teams one through nine to see if I even have a, a, a chance? Mm. And I'm like, oh, fine, I'll look. And everybody had the same rest of the players as I did. I'm like, okay, so I can't go any higher than 10. I would have rather maybe hoped to get there. That was Jalen Hurts's whatever, four touchdown. 90 points to Super Bowl. So, um, but yeah, no, that, that's, that's what's part of it. I love that Pat has all these like, you know, stories of telling his girlfriend and all this different type of stuff. And it's, it's a really fun thing. That would crush me if I, you know, had all these players and then the players did super well. And then I turn over the cards thinking oh, maybe I won and right. I'm still sitting in 10th. I mean, I, I have to know what my sweat was there. <laughs> that's right. I like that too. That's I want right. to ask you about your girlfriend. And we'll talk about the Monday night here in a moment with Pat Perrain, Mike Shope, and Adam Krautwurst here on the deep end but first a quick word from our sponsor hey you know people always ask me what's the world series of fantasy what's the super bowl of fantasy and it's easy it's the ffpc their signature players championship has a six million dollar prize pool and their best ball leagues start in february and they're the answer to so many questions hey what's the best place to get a dynasty orphan well you can adopt a Dynasty Orphan at the FFPC right now. There's more orphans at the FFPC than anywhere else on the internet. That's why we partner with them. So if you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, you love Dynasty, you love best ball, you love seasonal leagues, all types of fantasy footballers need to go to the FFPC. And remember, use promo code UNDERWORLD. Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you $25 off your first team. Promo code UNDERWORLD. $25 off your first team, no matter what the format is, at the FFPC. Go get it. So, January 2nd, you're in the lead. I asked you a little bit about this last week when we set this up, what your day was like. What was your day like on that Monday? Uh, well, I had a, <laughs> I had a double blurb shift. Uh, which people were like, can't you get out of that? And I'm like, hey, yeah, I could, I could get out of it, 
okay i could have gotten out of it uh good good crew over at rotor world you know someone would have covered my shift and everything but here's the alternate timeline right i don't win and now i have to blurb the next day <laughs> like i'm not i'm not doing that i'm like i just got to get this done and uh you know so i i blurb from uh eight to six um wow can't say i was particularly productive on those blurbs but you know that was the the news desk was covered um and yeah so i didn't do like a ton i didn't like think you know the it was kind of just like trying to keep my mind off of it. I also didn't really want to tell anybody um, outside of like my brother knew my younger brother, who's like real into fantasy. He and I, uh, he, he also wrote for Rotoviz when I started writing for Rotoviz. Um, so he's like real into fantasy kind of understood all of the, you know, the, the way these sweats work. And, but like, I didn't want to loop in my parents yet or anything. Cause it's like, I'll know one way or another tonight so i'll just let them know then and um you know also like if i do have this kind of dramatic fall down the leaderboard it'd be nice to be like hey i won 20 grand and they'd be like yeah. oh that's awesome <laughs> you know so <laughs> it'd be kind of uh a little bit of you know a rebound effect there emotionally that they would be excited by pretty much whatever whatever the outcome was so um Anyway, yeah, I just kind of, I remember I took my dog to the park uh, right before the game was about to kick off, and then we had this, the stream going live. So there wasn't like too much. I did kind of, I looked into, you know, can I put together like a same game parlay and, and try to do, you know, some kind of hedge with T. Higgins, because Higgins was in particular the guy that was on a lot of teams behind me, but there was not just only T. Higgins teams, you know, there was there was like a, a Boyd team right behind me, but I think um, that was not, there was other teams that were even further down that had like, you know, some like real game stacks that I thought were like the most concerning. So there was a number of ways that I could have gotten past. It was like really kind of hard to cover those bases. So I felt like the most likely scenario, if I did put together a hedge is that I would just also lose that money and then you know <laughs> not finish first. <laughs> That's a that's a good point because we I know you know you've spoken with the the Go Bills crew the back to back main event champs and yep. they were talking I was you know we were texting with them all day like you know they were figuring out how to because it that that theirs was kind of simple like they had to fade eleven from Singletary I think I think it was mm -hmm. in that game so it was just like hey how do we how do we get find that find a bet where we can where we can hedge this and put you know as much money as possible down on it so uh, just interesting uh, to find different and I think it was a holiday was that Monday a holiday. So like it was, banks it was New open. Year's Day. I mean, yeah. the day before was New Year's Day, so it wouldn't have been a work day. Banks weren't open. I mean, there was there's no way to like really put big bets down on that. Uh, but that's that's super uh, interesting. So, your girlfriend is sitting next to you, I think, for this game. You said you know in the prior story, maybe she was somewhere else in your apartment or your house. But you hear on the Monday stream shortly after Hamlin goes down, her voice is is uh, audible is oh my god oh is it yes and then she she asked you who is it as you guys are, are processing in just a few minutes this is not just any injury and you put you know in the chat people are writing you know players are crying on the field and that so am i correct that she was with you as this game was she was watching the game as you were she was um, watching the game that's right yeah um and we but you know i'm on stream and then we had uh when you're on stream there's always this thing of like the chat is going to be ahead of you in terms of what's actually happening with the game so i had the game on my computer but the chat was way ahead of us and so you know we knew that the play had been stopped but um learning from the chat really how serious it was was because i didn't you know i i'm like probably 30 seconds behind um the real events so yeah, I actually didn't know that you could hear on the stream. She was watching on our TV. Um, it was like, it's, I have the same setup now that I had then, which is this is a green screen and my TV is like right behind me. So, yeah, that's interesting. But we, um, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of like, you know, just kind of dawns on you like, okay, this is, this is 
really serious. And um, I think Pete shut down the, the stream pretty quickly after uh, Hamlin was injured, um, which I'm thankful for because we were just like, we, we weren't sure, you know, it's like really uh, difficult situation to be like live. Um, and just at that point, you just like shifting to, okay, I, I just really hope DeMar Hamlin's okay. Yeah, I Mike Leone and I have chatted about this after I watched. I didn't watch it that night. I was working that night, but it was just exceptional how you guys all handled that. You know, uh, it isn't no one's to blame for there being a couple of jokes at the beginning. You know, you're it's such a it's such a tough one when something really serious is happening and your job is, you know, you're entertaining and you're trying to keep it light. And then you sort of it hits everybody that it's not one of those moments. And Pete was just you know, expert stuff, I think, on that. Like, you you do want to make sure you're sort of thinking about what your audience is there for, or what they're, what they're watching you for, but also, like, just having the right tone. And, Pat, no one, and it's really excellent that this, you know, yourself in this way, no one ever says, what will happen to this tournament if this game is stopped? Or, like, how are they going to, because, you want to, you're, you're having those thoughts, or maybe you weren't, I don't know, like, in the back of, in the back of my mind, you know, without a best ball mania finalist team, I'm thinking, what are they going to do to the main event? What are they going to do? Like, how are they going to play this game? And it's really what we talked about in Buffalo on the radio for the next couple of days was the same sort of challenge where you're, you know, you're talking about Damar Hamlin's condition. And even by Tuesday, there was some reason for optimism, but then also like, okay, here are the Bills trying for home field advantage and the Bengals and everything that was at stake there. Oh, by my way, by the way, my friends have this chance to win a million bucks. You know, that that's really the the challenge is, you know, trying to be appropriate when you're thinking perhaps about, you know, yourself and what's on the line. Yeah, and like honestly, those it's just like kind of going down that path would just have made things like more difficult, I think, you know, and, and also like to me at the time, I was like, this is the NFL. Like they're not canceling games, you know, it's never happened. Yeah. So it was just like, why would I even kind of entertain that thought, especially when like a, literally a man's heart has stopped. So there's, you know, you kind of just bigger, bigger things to think about. And also just like, I mean, everyone, I just like, the feeling of what is going to happen here like are they going to be able to get him to the hospital and you know is he going to be okay i was like I, I we've never seen anything like that before right point of night adam i mean just incredible and it's interesting to look back on it because like he's fine now you know it's it's not a story you'd want to tell or a conversation you'd want to have had the the worst possible outcome been realized. But here you have Hamlin, you know, at minicamp for the Bills. And it's like, I mean, it's not a fun memory apart from, you know, the fantasy aspects of it. It's not fun to think about that night, but you can, right? Like it's not, it's right. not so inappropriate to do so because really it's a, it's a great story that he was rescued like that. And, you know, just um, it makes it, among other things, it makes it okay to talk about and reflect on because he, he got through it. So Yeah, for sure. And, and someone, I think I saw a meme on Twitter. Someone said he got back before Michael Thomas had gotten back. So <laughs> hopefully Michael Thomas can figure it out. But yeah, and, and I don't know, with so many different things, like the national contests were one thing, but like, and even to kind of offshoot from that is all the, the home leagues and all the different decisions that like, right. commissioners made and listening to my friends just lose their minds over the different decisions that were made. And cause you, they really could just do whatever they wanted to do. And in the home league. So um, everyone, so everybody who was playing fantasy had, had an opinion on it and some were, you know, some decisions I think were good. Some I think were pretty terrible, but uh, it was just, it affected like everyone in the fantasy space. I do love that about home leagues where like, you know, it's probably some of the biggest blow ups about how the week 17 was handled were, were in home leagues, not, yeah. not in these big money tournaments. <laughs> Correct. The only one, the only one I knew of was in, we call it the league of shows and dreams. And one guy had burrow and he lost for the, it was a consolation game at that. And he sort of, I don't even know if he was that serious, but he sort of complained to me about how I would have won. He said, and I said, well, look, Jeff, this is what everybody in the industry is doing. It's going to be zeros. He said, but I thought your league was different. 
<laughs> I thought you said your league was different. <laughs> no, not, not yeah, the commission. It was a rough week for commissioners. Yeah, that's right. The country. <laughs> that's right. Pat, if I may, when did you see the money in your account, and do you have a picture of it on your phone? Actually, I don't know if I. I think I did take a picture of it. I'm sure I did. Um, I should go back and check. But uh, I saw. When did I see the money? Um, because. We didn't know anything about uh, the game or DeMar Hamlet's status until, like, I think Wednesday night we started to hear that the game would not be played. Then Thursday, it really started to come out that the game was not going to be played, and we started to hear really positive reports about DeMar Hamlin. And then um, Thursday is when I started telling my family, uh, who my mom just just straight up didn't believe me. (laughs) My, My dad was like, you know, excited and everything. And then he'd been trying to get a hold of me uh, on Sunday just for like, you know, a random call. And then there's also like a family call that I couldn't, I like legitimately couldn't jump on because it was at like 3.30 on Sunday and I was, you know, doing doing game stuff. But, um, you know, he'd been trying to catch up and I had, I'd been kind of like avoiding him because I like, how am I going to have this conversation <laughs> with all of this hanging over and, you know, I'm not going to tell him. So, I uh I called him on Thursday and then he he was all excited and then he just basically like told me about the various things he'd been trying to tell me about since Sunday and I was just like <laughs> random catch up stuff. So it was like kind of a uh, a normal conversation in a kind of refreshing way. Probably um, some financial advice in there too from your parents I would think. Not really. No, they were oh. kind of still No, they were they were fully my dad was like, he processed immediately and was like, anyway, let me tell you about this story. And my mom just, I still had to do some convincing that I'd actually won. Um, I had, my sister had someone break it to her that watches ship chasing. Uh, oh. that, that he, uh, he said that your brother's about to win a lot of money. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so then I actually don't remember if it was Friday or Monday that, that the money was sent over. But um, I did get a call from uh a guy at my bank saying hey no one's checked in on you in a while here and uh three consecutive wire transfers Um, so uh yeah uh the the money hitting the account was uh was obviously quite nice yeah pat um you know you don't need to agree with me but i think you i don't know who a more perfect person to win this tournament would have been i mean obviously you put in the work anybody who follows you knows that and and you know with your visibility i think the win your win probably has had a real impact on how much bigger it's gotten again this year just the more people playing they they know you and they see that you've won and makes it more believable um you know i wouldn't expect you to want to comment on that point but just like what is your perspective on how big it is i mean you're talking about a tournament that has 677,000 teams up whatever that is 50% from last year, I mean, you've been at this a long time. What's going on? Like, how amazing is all of this? Yeah, I think it, it is really cool that that best ball's taken off like this. Um, and it, it it's sort of interesting because, like, I wasn't that into best ball like four years ago. You know, I I didn't I max entered the tournament in 2021, uh, and again last year. But even in 2020, I I kind of dabbled in in best ball mania. Um, and obviously that was the first best ball mania. So this is all like pretty new, but you know, to me having, I, and I love, I love the main event. I love, um, you know, being able to kind of make those decisions throughout the year, but it doesn't scale for me. You know, it's like I, last year did like 13 teams or whatever. It's like, man, those waivers, they will get you. So, uh, just to be able to like constantly draft. It is is just like very fun. Um, so it's been really cool to me, like, you know, with Best Ball Mania specifically, um, the bigger it gets, I think it, it does. There's like a little bit of of, you know, kind of a double edged sword to that, because it's not just about the size of the final, which is actually a little smaller this year, 441 teams now instead of 470. But it's much harder to make the final than it was last year. Um, you know, you're, you're basically, if you, if you max enter the tournament, you'll, as a completely average drafter, be expected to make the, the final, like once every 10 years, 
That's awesome. Um, I heard you say that recently. That's just incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. So like making the final, and but it's it's a pretty top heavy payout structure in the final. So I think you know obviously I'm going to be uh, firing again at Best Ball Mania and at the very fun tournament, um, biggest payout in the in the industry. But I think one of the things that's really cool about Best Ball right now is that we're also seeing like a ton of other tournaments pop up. So like if you want to go for something that's you know not just kind of pure cash games the way Best Ball used to be like five years ago. But is also not like so top heavy in terms of the payout. Um, there are plenty of options available for that as well. So, uh, just to, I'm kind of excited to see kind of the the larger ecosystem grow. In addition to Best Ball Mania getting bigger and bigger. So, um, like that, I think you kind of want you kind of want both things to be growing, and we're seeing that, which is really exciting. Is that number, Pat? Uh, that once every ten years, is that with you max entering? 150 yeah it's max entering because you're okay. you basically you know you're expected to advance like 25 teams and then i think four teams yeah um of your 25 and then basically 0.1 teams of right. those four so that's you know one every 10 years how important is it do you think to max to max enter like any of these kind of tournaments that people are entering as far as just just upping your odds of of making money just from max entering to me, I would say it's like less about the max centering and more about getting to a point where you feel like you're building a portfolio of teams. Because I do think there's some real advantages to truly breaking ties towards guys that you wouldn't normally take and trying out different structures that you wouldn't normally try. Um, to me, at least you know, speaking for myself, like that comes with volume. Because the first like 10, 15, maybe even 20 drafts I do, I just know better than the field. I know what's going to happen. I'm picking my favorite guys. You know, I'm going to outdraft everybody. But then like you get kind of sick of drafting the same guys and you get sick of the same exact start. And that one edge that you thought you had, you're like, "Mm, maybe this isn't as big of an edge as I thought. So I'm going to start experimenting. I'm going to start mixing in other players that I like but don't love. And I just think that you're, you're going to end up with like better teams once you get to that point and you're, you're kind of a little bit more open-minded, like at least again, for me, that open-mindedness doesn't really come until I've like, I'm literally exhausted from, from just kind of jamming what I think is kind of the best stuff. And like the team that won for me, you know, I was in fact, not all that on Tom Brady and uh, Chris Godwin. I was on, Rashad White. I was playing that through uh, the running back primarily. So this was like kind of a, a pivot off of the thing I was doing the most in the tournament, which was targeting Rashad White. Um, I wasn't doing a ton of running back, running back starts. I was doing certainly more than I had the year before. And this was a period of the, the summer where I was doing it probably the most that I did it. But my top two structures in terms of running back were zero running back and hero running back. So the RBRB start was something I was definitely experimenting with, but, you know, not my most common thing. So, um, again, I would say, you know, whether or not you max enter, it's like, yeah, it ups your odds a bit, but it's not going to necessarily like, I don't think it's required, but I do think you do want to be building teams that are internally consistent, making clear bets on specific offenses, making bets on specific games in week 17, um, and that aren't just kind of you saying, I know every single player in every round that's the best pick, and I'm just going to take them. Because the the way these best ball tournaments work, you do want to be um, you want to be a little bit spread out to, to certain different offenses, but you also want to be building teams that um, are going to be well suited for the three week sprint structure and taking down a single week tournament in week 17. Yeah, do you? Oh, sorry. Last year, no, please. Um, do you know what team number it was that, that won for you? Like, as far as you max center, was it team hundred? Cause I know two years ago, uh, Dr. Abib Egbatoba won his back second football guys championship over the FFPC. And it was his last team. I think he did like, oh wow, 43 teams or something. And it was his very last team that he drafted that won the whole thing. Do you know what one yours was? I don't. Um, my guess is it was somewhere, you know, in the middle range. 60 70 something i i remember at the time thinking that there was this you know the barbell approach was was pretty uh popular especially last year the idea that you know you're going to draft a bunch of your teams really early and a bunch of your teams late 
And I was kind of in on that general concept, but I wasn't going to be like a true practitioner of it just for like life reasons. I was like, I just don't like, I don't really want to want to stop drafting. I like drafting. I also don't want to have to like stress out about, you know, I took this time off and now I really need to draft. Like, you know, I have lots of, um, you know, plenty of other fantasy football responsibilities to not have the time to draft. So I was like, I'm going to keep dripping in the drafts throughout. And I do remember thinking, you know, around that kind of early to mid July period, like this feels exactly the same as June. Like, how is this not still considered early? Right. So um, I was probably, I would say probably like around team 65, 70 or something like that. Uh, maybe even a little bit further along. If it was up to Leone, you'd only be drafting at one in the morning, according to one, one in the morning in uh, in late July, I think is That's what his right. numbers told him to do. The barbell effect makes a lot of sense, but it's June 20th. What am I supposed to do tonight? <laughs> I wouldn't have anything to do tonight if I didn't want to draft tonight this time of year. Um, Pat, so, you know, running back, running back, worked for you on this team, of course, to the hilt. The ship chasing guys are known for sort of the brand is wide receivers, you know, the early receivers and then zero RB or whatever, however it manifests. Do you think, or if you know, like collectively yourself, Pete and Ben and those guys, do you think that you guys have affected the way people draft? I mean, I, I don't want to set you up to end up, you know, to flatter yourselves too much, but I think that's an interesting thing, how that's changed. And it seems sharp to me. So it could be more that you guys have just been there but are known for it. Do you think you've affected how the how the community drafts? Well, I mean, when you watch Pete's current streams and the wide receivers are flying off the boards in those streams compared to even the current ADP, which is the most wide receivers, you know, heavy we've ever seen. I do think there's at least like a slight, you know, push towards the wide receivers because you know, I, I do. I think it's one of those things where it's like kind of once the wide receivers really start to go early, it is actually hard to get away from um, because it's like you can't really find what those teams are getting in those early rounds later on at wide receiver. Whereas because all the wide receivers are going so early, you can actually find plenty of running back value later because no one's taking running back. So to, if you zig and, and go for the early running backs, it's actually pretty difficult because now you know in round eight the value on the board is is like a running back and not just one but like a bunch so i think you know and i've as much as i love zero running back and stuff i've always believed and said that a number of different strategies can work like last year was maybe the best year ever for zero running back it would absolutely crushed in on underdog, which is a half PPR site, which is a best ball site, which, you know, we've kind of heard zero running backs really more for uh, redraft leagues where you can manage and get running backs off the waiver. It's not really suited for best ball. It's certainly not suited for, you know, the overall, uh, you know, season long scoring the most points of the, or the course, the whole season type of thing. But then can cap one, the million dollars on underdog with a zero running back team. So it's quite a great year for zero running back, but you know, a running back, running back team won. Um, so even in a great year for the strategy, it didn't take down the whole thing. And I think that's what's cool about fantasy football, right? Like there's a number of different ways to get there. In some ways, the way these underdog tournaments work, you know, the fact that I showed up without Justin Jefferson was massive. Justin Jefferson is the most, the highest advance rate, the highest finals, uh, finals advance rate player over the last two seasons was Justin Jefferson. And then he completely duds and I have Austin Eckler go off and Austin Eckler is massive leverage only because you couldn't draft Justin Jefferson and Austin Eckler together because they were both always first round picks. Right. So that's, I mean, that's like, that's pure luck, but it's one of those things where kind of having a team that was able to make the finals with like a counter strategy to the, the most successful strategy that year ended up being incredibly important. I would say, I think like one of the lessons for this year, you know, if you look at my team is I took, I went running back, running back, but I did have um, five wide receivers through 10 rounds. Um, I had uh, an elite tight end and my third running back 
wasn't selected until round 10. So I went running back, running back, but at the time we were in an environment, you know, wide receiver prices have gone up since, but in 2022, this was like the most expensive we'd ever seen wide receivers at that time. So I don't think, you know, that if I had taken that third running back around six, if it, you know, a great, great value was there, I scooped it up. Like, I don't think I make the finals, right? Like I needed to um, make sure I got my wide receiver firepower in. And overall, it wasn't, you know, all that strong of a team at wide receiver. I had Waddle, I had DJ Moore, I had Chris Godwin, but I had enough firepower to where um, alongside a big Tom Brady game, a big Eckler game, um, a couple big Kittle games to get me there, I was able to kind of have enough wide receiver firepower to get through. Um, But yeah, I think to me, like when I'm trying to employ different strategies, I'll, you know, I'll kind of tell myself like, all right, I don't use this strategy as much but I'm going to do it better than the people who normally do it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of like gear myself up to go, okay. Like I, you know, and if you don't use zero running back a lot, what I would say is like, you should experiment with it. But like, as you're experimenting with it, be like, I'm going to do this better than, than any of these ship chasing idiots would do it. You know, <laughs> like just like build, use the strategies because the strategy I think all essentially they're budgeting strategies. They're just like, we should be allocating uh, our resources, our draft picks, which are essentially just like pre-allocated dollars. If you think about it in kind of auction league terms, like, you know, your, your first round picks worth 50 bucks, that's pre-allocated. You have to spend that amount. So if they're just like ways to make sure you're not overspending at any of the positions in terms of your draft capital, in terms of like the dollar value of those picks and the total number of picks. So there's a number of different ways to get there, which is why all these strategies um, can work and often kind of have their moments in any given year. Don't forget Tyquan Thornton, uh, by the way, with those wide receiver, that wide receiver firepower on the one team, right? That was the only time you drafted him out of that's, 150? That's right. And that I that I would say uh, was correlation. You know, that's how I got onto Tyquan Thornton because I was building out this Patriots um, uh, Dolphins stack uh, that had, you know, Ramondre Stevenson and Jalen Waddell and Tua. Um, and so I brought back uh, Jacoby Myers and I attacked on um Taekwon Thornton to that so we uh Pete, Pete Overzet's week 17 is all that matter video video um kind of changed the way I was drafting last year and you know not least got me on Taekwon Thornton uh as part of the idea of okay I've already bet on this game to go off there's there's points in this game I know that let me take one more piece and that piece uh ended up hitting my final lineup it was great before that video was great before you go, would you mind uh, commenting on your team in the Bulldog that we are in together? <laughs> uh, so Adam, Adam's just put it up on the screen. You had the third pick. How was this? This was my first time playing in it. I got the 12. See Justin Herzig's name in there as well at seven. What was maybe some particular strategy you used here that might be different from Best ball mania. As I was tracking this draft in your team, I saw that week 17, that familiar correlation with, you know, San Francisco and Washington, New Orleans and Tampa. So at least it mattered some to you. Yeah, I mean, it matters a lot to me. I think the week 17 correlation is like it's kind of the thing people are talking about right now. And um, it's not something that I think people like really wanted to have to think about. You know, it's like I really I have to I have to know who's playing each other and on January 1st that's that's annoying <laughs> but i think the um the advantage that it gives you especially when you can do it without reaching is is huge so i, I am always kind of trying to factor that in uh Brees hall is someone i'm taking a lot of in the third round i take him a ton uh chris olave at the late second um mm-hmm. also was a big target he's kind of moved up since then uh having the what i had five wide receivers through seven rounds uh yeah. in this draft that's you know, four through seven has been kind of um, the rule of thumb. That's something Hayden Winks has identified. This year, I, I really would prefer to kind of have more like five through eight, or at least like, like you know, at least three through five, I would say. Um, the more I draft, the more I feel like wide receiver dries up so quickly. So um, what did I do here? I took Daniel Jones and then backdoor stacked him. Is that what I did? 
Um, yes, Hodgins. You see your, your okay. favorite play there? That's a really close one, a tough one, the giant receivers. Yeah, I like um, Hodgins and Slayton are the two that I like right now because the, the Jalen Hyatt is playing with the third with the third string offense, uh, and he was a third round pick. You know, if he didn't really play much this year, it shouldn't be all that much of a surprise. His ADP has been a little odd to me because it never really seemed to go down a lot from the point where he was, you know, considered to maybe be a first round pick. And then he goes in the third round. Um, his ADP hasn't hasn't shifted and Slayton has been completely free. So I like him. I like Hodgins. I think Hodgins is probably like the most natural X receiver. Matt Harmon wrote him up. Uh, it's kind of why I think that. And, um, you know, he was just kind of commenting like this guy's reliable, that he just looks like a totally, you know, catches everything. He does what he's supposed to do. So uh, Hodgins is kind of boring, but I'm just like, I think he's a starter. So I, I tack him on a fair amount. Adam, how do we do here? Listen, you guys both both did, did great, obviously. McCaffrey, Brees Hall, those are those are legendary upside guys uh, for, for, for sure. Um, yeah, the Week 17 thing's interesting. I think you made a great point, Pat, about how people get annoyed. Like, I'm one of those people. Like, why can't I just figure out who's good at football and just yeah. draft those guys? But, you know, the point is nobody knows who's going to do whatever. So I, 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 I do it, you know, begrudgingly because I understand the, the math. But uh, I'm definitely one of those guys who's like, oh, God, Week 17. Mike, we did a show. We did a... We did a uh, schedule release show, NFL, and Mike had to memorize uh, by, by the end of the show. Had all the Pat was in the draft. Oh, that's right. That's Pat, right. Pat was in the draft that night. That's right. Draft that night. I went back and listened to that because that was the one uh, Cost was in that draft too, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Just the that names you want to see when you set, <laughs> <laughs> when you set sail. <laughs> and in there. <laughs> Very good. Pat, thanks for sharing the story of last year's win with us and all your insight. Uh, great job with the new site and continued success from us. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Of course. Thanks to Pat Corain, Mike Shope, Adam Prottwurst. Thanks for watching and listening, and we'll be back next week with a best ball tournament draft FFPC with Brad Stalder. See you then. This is The Deep End. Thanks for watching. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.